This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world. And today, it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. Hello from New York. Now, let's start with the latest from the markets where you are. The S&P 500 and the Dow hit record highs today after Morgan Stanley wrapped up the quarterly earnings reports from the big U.S. banks with a profit surge. Optimism about a solid economic rebound put all the main indexes on course for weekly gains. And those bank earnings have been good news for investors, haven't they? Very much so. I think this has been quite the week. We, we've had uh, tremendous results from the banks. I think that uh, my key takeaway, uh, deal-making has been very healthy. You know, we've, we've been talking about SPACs and IPOs the last several months, and uh, that's really uh, been very um, profitable for these banks. And then and also trading. I mean, the, the, the trading volatility has remained elevated. Um, eventually, you're going to see the focus be on loan growth, and uh, I think that's where there is some uh, short-term weakness, uh, where some of the banks are voicing some concerns. But um, overall, the banks provided a very strong picture, and when you take a look at the U.S. economic data, it really impressed. We saw jobless claims fall to a pandemic low, retail sales, you know, surged back. Um, we, we, you know, obviously that was expected because of the the the, the latest wave of stimulus checks were uh, hitting bank accounts. But I, I think you, you're, you're seeing broad strength across the U.S. It's being reflected across uh, most indicators, and um, that's been expected. Um, we have pent-up demand. We have a, a U.S. consumer that has uh, a, a lot of them have money that is pent-up and waiting to be spent. And uh, I think the, the, the outlook for U.S. stocks still is uh, fairly attractive. And the big... The big uh, uh, market move, though, um, was really the Treasury markets. Um, you, you would anticipate all this uh, uh, strong economic data would have sent Treasury yields uh, much higher, but no, we actually had a, a rather um, interesting move where the the 10-year Treasury yield uh, that broke below its uh, a very key level, the 160 level, and uh, that kind of um, triggered a lot of option moves. It, it, it really kind of flushed out. Uh, uh, many bond trades, and uh, I think that now you're you're in a period where it looks like Treasury yields could start to consolidate. Uh, the bond uh, market uh, sell-off has not really returned, and I think that right now still there are a lot of people anticipating just some some further pressure here with yields. And if that's the case, um, you know that that should um, um, keep the dollar a little bit vulnerable. So so I think everyone is kind of uh, you know digesting a lot, but I think the the big banks, um, for the most part, we, we, we must acknowledge that uh, it was a, a strong results from uh, Goldman Sachs. They really kind of uh, had the, you know, the, the best, I think, uh, earning season. Uh, JP Morgan, very strong. I think that, uh, you know, I think the, the, the common theme was, you know, we constantly were saying it was a record quarter for these banks. Um, but I think when you when you take a look at, you know, what is dragging, let's say, Morgan Stanley, who had very strong results. The Archegos family office uh, blow up. That one triggered uh, 
a, a 911 million worth of losses for Morgan Stanley. And I think that you're going to see that everyone's going to keep a close eye on these family offices. I think that deleveraging of, of uh, some of those uh, firms is, is likely to happen. And um, you could see that uh, Goldman Sachs was able to quickly handle that. Uh, Morgan Stanley struggled. Nomura did. Credit Suisse had issues. So I think you're going to see that uh, there's a, a little bit of a cleanup that that is going to be done. And the regulatory reviews of Arcagos, that's going to go on for quite some time. But I, but I think in the end, uh, a very, very strong start to earnings seasons. And that's why we've, uh, we're uh, continuing to push, uh, not, not significantly, but we're, we're still pushing higher for uh, these record highs. Ed, you mentioned uh, IPOs earlier and Coinbase's debut on Wednesday got people pretty excited, valuing the crypto at $100 billion. I mean, that initial valuation put Coinbase ahead of many well-known firms, including the oil giant BP. How can it be that one of the world's biggest oil companies can be superseded by basically a virtual IPO? <laughs> it's fascinating. And it goes to show you that... Uh uh, the cryptocurrency movement is is here, and uh, the the amount of interest is still growing. We we, we are constantly getting uh, hedge funds, and some corp corporate American companies are embracing Bitcoin on their balance sheets. This is a new market, and what we're seeing is that there is just tremendous amount of of new investors that are piling in to uh, cryptocurrencies and what coinbase has done um it, it's really a legitimized uh cryptocurrency trading and, and for for many people um it's it's providing this this opportunity to um easily gain more exposure to cryptos without having to um, actually hold them i think one of the biggest um reasons why you're starting to see investors are becoming more optimistic about cryptocurrencies is that you've had governments really take an interesting uh, uh, stance on on the regulatory aspect um, you know two a year ago or, or even just you know you go last summer the the, the the fear was that there was one possible uh, you know US government headline or press release that could have you know signaled the end for for Bitcoin but but now the the the, the mainstream uh, the the public want Bitcoin. They want cryptocurrencies, and now you're 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 seeing that the regulatory environment is is somewhat shifting. And even when we have a day where uh, Turkey announces a, a banning of of some uh, of crypto use, um, specifically with payments, uh, uh, we saw four percent weakness. But really, that's that's nothing what we would used to see. And I think that is becoming much more of an isolated incident. Uh, Turkey is trying to control their capital controls. The, the lira is on the verge of significant weakness. So I think that you're seeing markets are believing that, okay, China is going to have their digital yuan. The ECB is probably three or four years away from theirs. Uh, Sweden noted that they're probably five years from their current uh, digital coin. And the Fed is still in an exploratory stage. They're probably going to be the last one to come out with their digital um, coin and, and, and I think that you're, you're seeing Bitcoin is now still uh, viewed as a store value and uh, even if we don't have that mainstream acceptance or people are not buying um, uh, or using Bitcoin on daily transactions uh, uh, that store value is holding nicely and the institutional interest 
is is not is not um, I think um, falling off, and that's one thing that is very important to this, um, and 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 that's why you're probably going to see that uh, you know Bitcoin uh, you know it's over it's above sixty thousand you know it's it's definitely off its highs, but I think you're going to see the, the the base case for Bitcoin to continue to rally. Um, to, to possibly uh, 70,000 in the coming weeks is, is probably likely because there's still tremendous interest. But despite you know all this uh, this optimism, the successful IPO of uh, or trading debut of Coinbase, what you're going to see um, is that um, th there there has been uh, not just the, the move higher in Bitcoin, but it's been with the altcoins. Ethereum is pushing record highs, but we are seeing a, a very interesting development with uh, dogecoin which um i think we once talked about it uh, dogecoin is one of the the more uh, interesting uh, cryptocurrencies because this one was you know predominantly it was supposed to be a joke i think that uh no one really took dogecoin seriously but then you had elon musk who was uh, a strong supporter of Dogecoin supporting the, the the notion that it was going to go to the moon and what you saw was Elon Musk he has been advocating for uh, you know people to be interested in Dogecoin uh, Dogecoin uh, um, has a use case but um, it, it's not been realized yet and I think what you're probably going to see is that investors uh, you know strictly you know are viewing Dogecoin as just a, a, a bubble right now and it's it's rallied uh, I, th I think over 500 percent in the last seven days uh it is uh, you know i think people were not expecting it to go above 10 cents and now it's knocking on the door at 40 cents and uh i, I think what you're 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 going to see is that the the interest in dogecoin uh is is mostly retail uh and it is it is fascinating to see how this this is keeps on skyrocketing and uh, the, the the risk I think uh, for for Dogecoin um, is 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 extremely elevated here. I, I think this is you know we've had you know significant moves higher um, for uh, for Bitcoin, but you know what we're seeing right now with Dogecoin is is really uh, something unique. And and I think what you're probably going to see is that uh, if Dogecoin. Um, uh, you know keeps this pace up it is going to lure in a lot more um, retail investors and i i think sadly though um there's only uh, one way this is going to end and, it, and it's not going to be pretty um i'd like to point out if you invested a thousand dollars in dogecoin on january 1st you know you'd be holding about fifty five thousand dollars right now um why didn't you tell me ed come on <laughs> that type of uh coverage and uh you know i think the, the the viralness of that move move is is really uh seeing a lot of people say well if it's if it's already almost if it's gonna hit 50 cents why won't it hit a dollar uh and and uh it, this this hysteria is is just growing and 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 you know the, the fundamentals do not support this the argument for cryptos is there ethereum has you know is is behind several you know usages and uh, i think that you know dogecoin is not really it, it, it does not seem justified so i, I think this is going to end ugly for many traders and but it is something you can trade off of on coinbase it is providing more excitement and uh uh no it's it's interesting to see how this uh, cryptocurrency world is evolving but i think you know regulatory 
concerns are going to become, I think, uh, more more noticeable, especially when you have a bubble-like situation with Dogecoin. Yeah, and it's timing, isn't it? When Bitcoin prices crash, business falls. As Bitcoin's prices increase, so has the volume of trading, the um, transaction fees collected, the valuation. And between its last uh, private fundraising, which was around in late 2018, and the price when the stock opened on Wednesday, Coinbase's valuation has grown by 1,000%. I think right now you're, you're going to see too the, the the environment. I mean, what we're going to see Coinbase go through is uh, what TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab did with Reddit. You're going to see other exchanges come aboard, and and uh, I, I think you know the Kraken IPO is not too uh, far away. I bet, and uh, the, the the fees are really high right now. That is going to uh, I think you know start to, to, to fade as, as the competition increases. Everyone wants a part of this crypto uh, mania right now. And uh, right now it seems like uh, it, it, it's just going to get a lot harder for Coinbase. And I think that right now, you know, the IPO has been successful because we're still trading above the, the reserve prices. But um, I, I think right now everyone is uh, kind of just waiting to see exactly, you know, how this unfolds. And, and there, there's so much risk right now with, with uh, everything crypto but um i think um right now the 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 more sound investment right now believe it or not is still bitcoin (laughs) let's move on ed how have markets been affected by the news that the johnson and johnson covid jab may cause uh, rare blood clotting six cases detected in more than 6.8 million doses of the vaccine that uh, from the u.s food and drug administration Johnson & Johnson has had to pause its EU rollout, which uh, started this week. But those odds, one in a million, are pretty good. I'm, I'd take that any day. Yeah, and, and I think health experts, they're, for the most part, you know, pointing out that, well, you know, the, the risks of actually getting COVID. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, if, you, if you do have COVID, uh, you know, the, the chances are you're going to have a higher percentage chance of, of, of having some bad side effect like a blood clot a blood clot which blood clot yes which is which is one of them um i i think what really kind of uh, disrupted uh, um the the optimism that uh um you know the, i think initially the health experts even uh, dr fauci i think everyone was kind of talking about how this should be resolved in a matter of days um, but then, you know, when the, the CDC panel met, they said, well, we're, we're concluding without a vote. They're just going to extend the pause. And uh, the, the, the problem is that the J&J vaccine was, you know, for, for the U.S., it was really not really needed. Um, we, we have a tremendous amount of supply with Moderna and Pfizer. We're, you know, on our, you know, we're on pace to reach herd immunity by the end of May. Um, so it, it seems that, you know, the J and J was really being targeted for universities to just kind of do the one-off and, uh, just get that taken care of. But, but I think right now, um, you know, the, the biggest risk was that emerging markets, a lot of the, the countries that have been struggling to get their hand on vaccines, um, Europe included, um, they were counting on this one. And now that things are getting slowed down, this is just derailing the, the recovery, I think abroad. And, um, I, I think it, is um i think um you know important for you know the, the the scientists and doctors to you know just abundance of caution to make sure they know everything about 
um, the virus and the, the how these vaccines are working and and what are the side effects. But uh, I think there's you know still a, a strong belief that this vaccine is you know going to still have the green light. Maybe they'll have some restrictions against. Um, um, maybe women taking it or maybe people uh, who are using birth control. There's still lots of reviews going on. But I, I think you, you're probably going to see that uh, um, in the end that uh, this is, this. I think vaccine is still going to be used, um, just like the AstraZeneca one is. But I think what the, the, big, the big concern is vaccine hesitancy. Will this really uh, kind of uh, make uh, a little bit people more hesitant in, in getting vaccinated? I know when I got my, my uh, jab, uh, I had no idea which vaccine I was getting. Um, I uh, I was going to uh, the NYU Langone facility in downtown New York, and uh, I, I knew it was either going to be, at that time, uh, J&J, Pfizer, or Moderna. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the belief really uh, for, for a lot of people is they're still confident in, in all three vaccines. Obviously, I think there's a preference for Pfizer and Moderna now. But uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, the world is is slowly getting COVID under control. Europe is seeing vaccinations uh, finally um, increase at a, at a better pace. And uh, I, I think there's, there's a good reason to be optimistic uh, going forward. Let's move on to China. And we had some figures today. Their economy growing a record 18.3% in the first quarter of this year compared to the same quarter last year. Obviously, these Figures are somewhat skewed by COVID. It's the biggest jump in GDP since China started keeping quarterly records way back in 92. However, uh, those figures are actually below expectations uh, with a poll I saw uh, from Reuters with economists predicting 19% growth. So were markets a tad disappointed? I think when you take a look at, you know, all the data, because yes, the GDP, that, you know, headline grabbing 18.3%. Um, and obviously, uh, it's going to just continually to, to trend lower. Um, but, uh, but I think there was some disappointment with uh, the, the miss that we saw with industrial production. Um, there was a, a, a slight beat with retail sales, and, and that was actually very positive. Um, um, I think the uh, domestic outlook has lagged in China. And uh, I think what, what we saw was that, um, you know, retail sales, uh, you know, remained uh, very strong. And, and, and that's very positive. I mean, we saw L'Oreal, we saw Mercedes-Benz really benefit off those 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 um, strong readings. And and I think what you're, you're probably going to see is that uh, it, this supports the argument that, you know, that the PBOC earlier in the week uh, was starting to tighten liquidity. Um, this kind of just, I think, makes a good case that, you know what, the China is going to still remain accommodative. They're, we're still too early in this, this recovery, even though you know, China's recovery has been going since you know, the second quarter of last year. Um, but, but, I, but I think you're going to still see that um, investors are still going to like Chinese assets. I think that um, there, there's, there's just a tremendous growth here still. I mean, uh, eventually China might end up, you know, growing by eight or nine percent this year. But I think that's still uh, providing a lot of opportunity for investors. And I think there there's, uh, um, you know, lots of uh, ways to, to, to look at the infrastructure, the industrial output, um, you know, miss. But um, I, I think that you're, you're still going to see that, uh, um, you know, any expectations that the PBOC was going to start to pull uh, more 
more support away from from the recovery i think that's just going to get pushed back so i i think i'm still optimistic on on asia and specifically china okay uh ed before i let you go i'd just like to look ahead to the next week or so what are the highlight moments that you'll be looking out for over the next seven days it's a busy week uh, <laughs> uh there, there's there's a lot going on i, I think um uh, you know we normally don't talk about canada uh, just for time purposes uh but uh i think it's it's a big week for canada on monday um prime minister trudeau releases his budget um this is the first budget in two years and I think what a lot of people are going to see is this is kind of also his election campaign, um, but it, it's going to be key to see exactly uh, how uh, the economy is going to be positioned going forward. Um, and, and then also for, for Canada, this is a very big um, um, rate decision week for them. I think the Bank of Canada um, has been uh, telegraphing that, uh, you know, it's time to taper its weekly bond purchases. And so whenever you hear the word tapering, that is going to draw a tremendous amount of tension. Um, I, I think that's going to be a, a very big um, uh, event. And that, that happens on uh, Wednesday. So those are the two big ones for Canada. Um, not sorry, not going the proper order, but on Tuesday, you know, we do, we do have um, um, two big uh, tech events. Uh, we have Apple's spring-loaded event. Uh, Apple, because of its weighting on the S&P, it's just very important to to track. Um, you know, new iPad Pro, AirTags. There's going to be a new Mac possibly uh, announced. Uh, if Apple continues to to provide an excitement for for holding shares, I, I think uh, that's going to just you know continue to put to keep you know, sending the nasdaq higher up uh, netflix also reports they're the first fang stock to report uh that's after the close um on thursday we have the ecb uh thursday no change is expected in policy but they're and they're probably gonna affirm that you know the asset purchases will run at a faster clip until june um also uh from the eurozone we'll have uh, the advanced reading for consumer confidence uh that is expected to weaken a little bit so it'll be interesting to see if that that um, um, somewhat changes and then um, with uh, with uh, the US there is a wrath of data uh, Thursday we have initial jobless claims we have existing home sales which is supposed to um, remain steady I think the housing market's been the best sector in the US and uh, um, we're, we're gonna probably start to see um, um, a little bit of slowness I think um, there, there's been a, a mass exodus of uh, the, the big cities, but I think a lot of people are starting to come back. Um, home sales um, could start to finally slow. So that, that's going to be important to track. Um, and then also on Friday, we have the flash PMI readings. That's always watched. Uh, I think in the U.S. we're expecting, um, you know, continued improvements uh, on both the manufacturing and service sectors. Uh, Germany is also anticipating um, um, you know, strong expansionary uh, readings, and uh, I think um, we'll also get that from the UK as well. And also in the UK, we'll get um, retail sales as well. So lots of data, um, but I think most of it should be rather supportive that you know this global economic recovery is taking hold. Okay, Ed, thanks for joining us today, and have a very good weekend. Thank you. You too. The Oanda Podcast.